Welcome to The Science and the Sacred. I'm your host, Sinead Brophy, and in this podcast, we'll cover both the physiology and the spirituality of what it means to be a cyclical being. I'd love to invite you, my health-conscious and spiritually curious friend, to dive deep with me as we embrace the power of cyclical self-care to nourish our minds, bodies, and souls. Hi, welcome to episode three of The Science and the Sacred. So normally the third episode of the month is when I invite on a guest to talk about a particular topic. But surprise, sometimes I guess it's going to be me. (laughs) Um, So I thought, you know, this whole theme of this month is really about introducing me, my work, this podcast, I guess what I, you know, want to achieve and do and, you know, get information to you guys about through this podcast. So I thought, why not speak about my approach to health and well-being and why I think it's a really nice, intuitive, balanced way to become a healthy, happy human, because really that's what that's what we're looking for. So when I approach both my own health and well-being, but also the health and well-being of my clients or anyone who kind of signs up for my programs, I try and approach it with the four pillars in mind. And they are move your body, nourish your body track your cycle and soothe your soul. So obviously all of these pillars overlap. If you want to think of them as a beautiful Venn diagram where in the center there is you, that healthy, happy human, that balanced cyclical being. And then if you want to think about almost like a flower, these, you know, those beautiful flower Venn diagrams where all of these circles, things are falling into those buckets, but things overlap. A lovely example of this might be the idea of cyclical living or menstrual cycle awareness where we're tracking our cycle but it's not so much on a physiological level it's more on a kind of spiritual or energetic and a self-care point of view so they that would practice would fall within both the track your cycle but also the the soothe your soul so just for a quick quick overview of what those four pillars are and some examples of what's included in them or what can fall within them so move your body is really all about trying to reframe exercise as a way to nourish and support your body. Um, It's my opinion that for a lot of us, and I think due to the media, how we've been brought up, um, unfortunately, maybe the role of women in society that we have been told explicitly or implicitly that exercise really is just to change our appearance, to change our body composition, to change our physique. It's all about aesthetics. And for me, I definitely went into that. Well, not 100%, but I I went through a period where that was the goal of training. And it's not to say that if that is your goal, that that's wrong. However, I think training for aesthetics doesn't always equal training for health. So I really, really like to take an approach of intuitive training, making sure that your, your movement is balanced. Most importantly, that it's enjoyable, so that you're doing something that you enjoy. You know, the recommendations for movement is 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise and then two resistance training sessions but that moderate intensity exercise can be whatever you want it to be <laughs> so for someone it could be pole dancing for another person it could be hiking for another person it could be going to the gym and doing sort of like a, a hit session or some sort of kind of high intensity uh, resistance training to kind of get the heart rate up there So it's really about finding what you enjoy. And then it's also about balancing. So if you are doing HIT every single day, you're probably going to be overtraining. You're going to be more susceptible to injuries, to illnesses, to actually not getting the 
outcome that it is that you're trying to achieve, whether that's better health, better performance or a change in body composition. So I really, really encourage people to learn how to listen to their body, to auto-regulate, to kind of connecting with this more intuitive mode of training. Really good example is me last night where it's been a crazy week and it's been a crazy day. And I turned up, forgot to bring a snack with me. I hadn't eaten for a good while and I was absolutely starved. I was tired. I'd been on my feet all day, but I was there purely for my head. And I was like, right, I'm going to drop all my weights down. I'm not going to be trying to hit PBs here. I'm going to be, you know, 80% even less. And I'm here to move. I'm here to be social. And I'm here to just kind of bookend the day and kind of, you know, get, get out of my head. And that's a perfectly acceptable way to train. If I maybe had gone in and pushed myself really, really hard, I might have not actually felt better coming out of that session. However, when I did leave this session, I felt great. I had some endorphins. I was in a much better mood. And I'd done something that actually nourished my body rather than trying to, to push it or punish it. So that's kind of the approach that I take with Move Your Body. Nourish Your Cycle. It's, again, quite an intuitive approach to training. I'm a huge believer in obviously understanding the fundamentals of nutrition, but taking that more gentle nutrition approach. So I do think that we all need to know what a protein, carbohydrate, fats, and kind of micronutrients, where we might get them in our diet, just to make sure that we're hitting all those main building blocks of our health and well-being and what we need to actually support our bodies. However, as a former tracker to the gram, I don't believe that tracking calories, I don't believe that tracking grams, unless you are going for a very, very specific goal of, say, hitting a certain weight class in a sport or if you are training for say a bodybuilding competition or you need to for your particular sport or training I think most of us just need to have a general idea of how we need to fuel our body how we need to nourish it through food but I very much try to step away from the idea of food holding moral value foods aren't good or bad some might be more nutritious than others or have a higher nutritional value However, all foods serve a certain purpose. So let's say, for example, an ice cream. An ice cream, you could look at that and, you know, you might have a lot of narratives about that. It might be a bad food. It's high in sugar, blah, blah, blah. So yes, it might be low in nutritional value, but it's also got milk in it. It's also got dairy. It's also just a lovely experience that you do in a social situation on a summer's day, you know, with friends or family, and it brings you joy. Now, if you're eating ice creams every single day, every single meal of every single day, you're probably going to feel sick and actually get sick because you aren't going to be hitting that variety of foods that we need to support not only our gut health, but, you know, just kind of build um, bone, tissue, muscle and the feel good. So, you know, I really ascribe to understanding the fundamentals of nutrition, but being able to build in flexibility there and being able to step away from the, the moral value of food and you know what it might signify about us as people or, or our worth. Then we look at tracking your cycle. So this can kind of take a, a, a range of different approaches. I do fundamentally believe that for all women or people who have a menstrual cycle, we should have some form of basic cycle tracking in our daily routine that could be just marking the first day of your menstrual cycle the first day of your period and um, ideally then it's looking at things like how long is your period how much are you bleeding things like that but at a very very basic level we should know how long our cycles are are they regular what are they looking like and then i'd encourage people to start building from there start tracking your physical symptoms how much you're bleeding 
you know, are you kind of suffering from a lot of PMS, any sort of ovulation pain, breast tenderness, things like this. And then, you know, you can go down the avenue of fertility awareness where you go super in depth about learning about your biomarkers and really learning how to read your menstrual cycle. And that's a fantastic way to build your own health record. So ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, described, now it was in the context of teenage girls, but it described the menstrual cycle as your fifth vital sign. And that for me just makes a lot of sense. So, and for me, it also helped shift that narrative as the menstrual cycle being this thing that was a hindrance to actually being an ally and a, a benefit. So we can use our menstrual cycle as a, a barometer or a litmus test for how healthy we are. And it's not a tool that we have to get absolutely perfect or like hack it to perfection. It's more about understanding what our normal is. Are we falling within, I guess, the recommendations of what's considered a normal menstrual cycle? Are we having a lot of pain? Are we having a lot of bleeding? Are they really long? You know, are we falling out of those parameters? Because they could be flags that something might be going on. Also, if something's changed, that might also be an indicator that something's going on. So we have, we have this fantastic tool to help us recognize when things might be going off, when stress, overtraining, underfueling might be impacting our cycle, or there might be some deeper health conditions going on, such as PCOS, such as endometriosis. And then, as I mentioned earlier, that beautifully blends into, I guess, the more spiritual side of things through menstrual cycle awareness. And for anyone who's not cycling, so, you know, anyone who's pregnant, postpartum, peri or postmenopause, you might not have a cycle at all, or you might not have a regular cycle. Cyclical living, in my opinion, falls into this and kind of overlaps with the soothe your soul. So the cyclical living is where you can track with the moon or you can track with the seasons of the year. The moon is a perfect substitute for a menstrual cycle. It's 29 and a half days long, very similar to what's considered the kind of typical menstrual cycle length, which is 28 days. And energetically speaking, it beautifully maps the energy that we might feel throughout our menstrual cycle. New moon, fantastic for setting intentions, going inward, really about reflecting and where we want to move. But it's the start of that in menstrual cycle awareness, it's called the via positiva. So that kind of building energy. And you'll probably feel that yourself if you're aware of your menstrual cycle, you start to feel more energetic. Physiologically, estrogen is rising, so we're better able to kind of train more, kind of hit, you know, PBs. And um, we're more anabolic, but our sex drive goes up as well. We're more outward focused and we're kind of in that more like peacock energy. So that's when we reach ovulation, which is also the energy of the full moon. And then once we kind of crossover ovulation or the full moon we're now in again menstrual cycle awareness called the via negativa could also be considered the, the more feminine or the more yang energy and we start to shift into this more kind of inward focus our energy might dip on a physiological level you might have pms symptoms here and um, but it's really about kind of letting go noticing maybe what we didn't achieve or didn't kind of get to this this cycle <laughs> and um and kind of letting go of those expectations, forgiving what maybe didn't work for us or anything that might have been holding us back in the past. And then we kind of lay the seeds again for the next next cycle. So the moon is a fantastic substitute for a menstrual cycle. And I had very much in my coaching practice anyway, let this fall under the tracker cycle, depending on the client's needs or um, where they are in their, their life stage with regards to their cycle. And then the final one is soothe your soul. So Basically, this is all of the S's. So it's sleep, it's stress management, it's self-care, 
quickly. I believe in cyclical self-care, so understanding how you're feeling on a cyclical level throughout your menstrual cycle and being able to put plans in place to support yourself for what you need during those different stages. For some people, that might be when they're bleeding. For other people, it might be during their luteal phase or their inner autumn. Other people, it might be, you know, for me, for example, I'm super scatty when I come out of my spring, my pre-ovulation. I'm like a spin top. I'm just like, everything's everywhere. I'm so excited about everything, but I'm like, you know, there's no direction. It's just like chaos. So for me, I need to make sure that I um, have a lot of grounding practices there because I can get really overwhelmed and anxious and actually burn out super early on in my cycle. I only know that through years of tracking. So this is why we build all of these in and they actually all beautifully fall, fall kind of into step and in sync with one another. So yeah, that's just an overview of the four, four pillars. So it might sound that that's like a lot you know, if you were actually to do all of those things and and, um, and start doing them from scratch now, you'd be massively overwhelmed. So what I tend to partner in my um, coaching practice with the four pillars are two other concepts, and that's the concepts of your big rocks and then good enough, best or better, or, you know, I also call this the, the scale of optimal. <laughs> so the concept of big rocks, I first came across it in the seven habits of highly effective people. So I believe it came from there, but um, please do correct me if there was a, a source before that. But the, the concept, and I'm quite visual, so I really like this. So any of my visual listeners, you'll probably love this as well, is that you've, you've got a glass jar or a mason jar, and then you've got rocks, pebbles, and sand. Your rocks are your important things. Your pebbles are your like kind of important things. And then your sands are like the nice, nice to have. If you put the sand in first, you're not going to leave any space for the big rocks. However, if you put the big rocks in first, then you can pour some of the pebbles around and they'll kind of fit in all the different gaps around that. Um, and then you can pour the sand on top and the sand just beautifully slots in all those teeny tiny little spaces that are left around, around the big rocks. And I very much believe in applying this concept um, to habit coaching, to lifestyle. You know, I am not about short-term gains it's all about lifestyle change it's all about these things becoming habitual becoming habits and our big rocks I think tend to fall within those four uh, pillars and those big rocks are what build a really solid foundation of our pyramid so that foundation then you can build more specific towards your goal on top of that but for most of us regardless of our goals whether it's health performance body composition, you know, um, maybe fertility, whatever it might be. Normally, in my experience, um, the big rocks are going to fall within those pillars. What those big rocks are, are going to be different for different people. And then what I try to encourage people to do, because life is life and perfection doesn't exist, nor should it, is to think about kind of your best, your good enough, your best or your better um, spectrum. And then, you know, sometimes you might actually just have like total shit show over here when it just goes completely chaotic or something huge happens in our life um, and that's that's totally fine but you know normally we kind of vacillate between maybe a calm week where we're in a routine we're on top of our our habits our daily practices that make us feel good and then you know we have some weeks you know the kids might be sick you might get injured um, or you might be sick yourself then you know the fridge breaks and you can't freeze anything or you forget to do your online shop or you know all these different examples and you're like, right, I'm living off 
takeaways and I'm living off kind of quick things that I can buy. So we just try and think about what those different scenarios look like, because again, allowing that flexibility to wave between these things means that if you say, quote unquote, fall off the bandwagon or you don't stick to your your plan, I mean, who does? Uh, very small, very small percentage of people. A lot of us are like, F it. I haven't stuck to it. I forgot to do it for a week. Doesn't matter. I give up. I failed. Where actually if we allow ourselves to be like, look, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> I forgot to do those things. Or I haven't been feeling great this week. It's because I haven't been doing my big rocks, the things that I want to focus on. Right. Wipe the slate clean. That's from Precision Nutrition, who I did my health coaching with. And I really, really like that approach. Wipe the slate clean. Can't change it. It happened. Let's move on. What's the one thing that I can do next? So simple really takes the overwhelming percentage, uh, pressure off. And again, another thing that comes from James Clear, I think, his Atomic Habits, but then also the Red School use it a lot in their menstrual cycle coaching, is 1%, so small improvements. So not all of us are going to be able to have this idyllic, I eat organically and prepare all my own foods and then like spend like two hours of meditation every morning and yada, 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 whatever the kind of things are that we're all meant to be doing at the moment. How can you give yourself 1% of that? So if you can't give yourself a full afternoon off, how can you give yourself a teeny little break? Or if you want to eat better and in your mind that's eating, you know, organic fruit and veg and loads of meat, but you might may not have the budget for it. How can you maybe give yourself 1% of that? Are you going and buying a small amount of organic vegetables and only based on what you need to cook? Or are you maybe buying some stuff through your general shop and then buying some stuff that's organic? Or are you maybe just being like, well, look, to be honest, I'm actually not even eating vegetables at the moment. So maybe that's my 1% and I just start with eating vegetables at the moment and adding them into my diet. So again, you can see how it's hugely individual and really, really based on where we are in our present moment. And that's where I kind of talk about that scale of optimal. So we might have an optimal week. That's where, you know, we manage to get in our big rocks plus some, and then we might have a good enough week. And you're like, right, you know, I got in kind of like my non-negotiables. Those non-negotiables can also change depending on where we are in our life, what's going on. If there's a big house move, you're expecting a baby, you know, new mother, all of this sort of stuff, the goalposts are going to shift and that's totally, totally fine. Um, and I believe that giving yourself that flexibility and self-compassion allows you to stay sane and allows you to stay consistent with these habits, with these behaviors, with these rituals, with these self-care practices, which in turn makes you healthier and happier. I am, I guess, a realist, not a purist. And I don't really apologize for that. Um, I'm sure people might listen to this and they're like, I can't believe you're talking about eating ice cream. You know, sugar's so bad for you. It's causes diabetes. It upsets your gut microbiome, yada, yada, yada. But I'm like, ice cream's delicious. So I'm just using an example of ice cream, but you know, it could be anything. I just think that if we are doing things that support and nourish our bodies 80% of the time, and we are someone who wants to go out and have a few drinks every now and again, or wants to um, you know, be able to really enjoy the food when they go out for dinner, or maybe some days just really needs to rest and kind of do nothing, or just loves reading a book and doesn't actually want to get outside. Like, can we not allow that into our daily practices? Um, so I'm a big believer in being a realist about things, about making things practical, about kind of, you know, making it accessible for the individual and, and meeting you where you're at. Because I 
have spent so much life swinging from one extreme to the other when it comes to health. And then I'm just totally stressed because I'm not doing it right. And then I like, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater and then I'm not doing anything to help my life. And I just, you know, go down a totally unhealthy path and then kind of come back to a totally purist, strict path. So I don't think that really strict rules and restriction work. I actually think they backfire a lot. So if we can build in that flexibility and that adaptability into our self-care practices and our habits and our well-being and health practices, that's where I think it becomes a lifestyle change rather than just being on a diet or just being on this program or, you know, whatever. And then also you have a sense a sense of self-autonomy, which I think is hugely important. I obviously want to be there to support my clients and, you know, I'm planning on creating resources that are more lighter touch and all of this kind of stuff. But what I really want is at the end of the time that someone's working with me, that they don't need me anymore, or at least they might need me at a, at a, um, a lower touch point, as I was saying. So, you know, not, not as frequently checking in, not as much handholding, because I truly believe that we have the power to do it ourselves. Now, full disclosure, I need accountability like most of us. So I'm not saying that you need to have the quote unquote willpower to do everything by yourself. However, I think there's a difference between accountability, light touch accountability with um, an intense coaching. And I think they're two different um, solutions to two different problems. So for me, I basically haven't left the gym that I'm in because I found a gym that really, really worked for me was the type of training that I liked was the ethos environment that I enjoyed, that I believed in. I worked there. I continue to train and now I'm working in two studios a gym and a studio that I really believe in the ethos and I go to them because I know if I don't I find it really hard to work out at home and I'm not going to push myself as hard so when I'm going to those training sessions I'm going for my higher intensity sessions I'm going to push myself or to kind of you know um get in that resistance training or that that kind of hit training so that's what I need to do same with business coaching. I sign up for a membership to help keep myself accountable and maybe with a coach for a short period of time. And then I'm using that membership as a way to stay accountable, stay on top of things. Lighter touch, it's more of a community vibe. There's a social element. And I really, really do think it's the exact same with personal training, health coaching, cycle coaching, all of this sort of stuff. Use a coach to learn the tools and really understand what you need. But then after that, try and find systems that help you stay consistent, help you stay connected, and um, help keep these habits part of your lifestyle and fun. Um, and ideally have a social element to it. So I think that's so important. And I think that our support network and our social side of things is, is hugely important um, when it comes to our mental health, our emotional health. Um, and then for also continuing with the, the habits. So yeah, so that's one of the, the approach um, that I take and I'd actually love to give kind of two examples so one example is me this week and this is kind of using that example of good enough for me I know there's a couple of things that I need to do to stay balanced grounded and not let anxiety completely take over and ruin my life normally I've gotten a lot better at planning so you know I can kind of see where I'm on my cycle and I'm generally pretty regular so I can kind of plan pretty well um I can also just tend I burn out really easily so I just try to set boundaries try not plan too many things in one week 
I just space things out. However, life is life and sometimes that doesn't happen. And also sometimes Muggins over here just says yes to everything and then looks at her calendar and is like, oh dear, what have you done? And that's what happened this week. So we're moving. I'm starting back um, in the gym I used to work in. So it's an onboarding process. I've got to ca- catch up on, you know, all the new processes and systems that are there. I'm also launching courses at the moment on a new system. So I'm getting up to speed on Kajabi, which is class. But I'm, you know, really in the weeds with regards to that. Then I'm also setting up my Reiki and, and Kakao one-to-one booking system. So I was getting that out. And I had like different doctor and hospital appointments for various different things that were just happened to be going on this week. And it was just one of those weeks where it was mental. It was absolutely mental. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's take a moment at the start of the week for, I think, I, did I do it? I think I did it Monday. So I might do this Sunday sometimes, but um, my Monday mornings are actually quite slow. And I use them as my my admin, let's get on top of things sort of uh, time. So Monday morning, I sat down and was like, all right, let's look at the calendar. I know non-negotiables two gym sessions doesn't matter about pushing myself or going hard it's just me turning up to the gym to move to lift some weights to see people to hear good tunes and just feel good two other things that I really wanted to do were two mornings where I go slow I make cacao I journal might do some card pulling bit of yoga and just silence Ideally, I do those on the days that Greg and my husband is in the gym early. So I have the space to myself and it's quiet. You know, there's no TV, there's none of that. They were the two things. So that's soothe your soul. That's move your body. Nourish your body. I'm a devil. If I get busy, I forget to eat. Um, not, a good, not a good habit to be in because obviously I get super hungry and then I get really anxious and I get hangry and then you know you almost get past the point of hunger where you just you know you're like oh I couldn't look at food and none of that is good so well done to Craig he's the main cooker in the house so he actually made a big kind of um pot we're big fans of bulk cooking so because sometimes weeks happen like this so it just meant that we actually just used that for a lot of the meals during the week. Okay, yes, it wasn't the most exciting, but it was this gorgeous kind of chicken and cheese, tomato kind of baked thing with, with couscous and quinoa. And then we had stuff in the fridge for side salad. We always make sure we have wraps. We always make sure we have eggs. We can do quick scrambled eggs or hard boiled eggs for, for lunch. And we always have stuff for quick porridge or overnight oats in the morning. So like berries porridge, you know, cheese seeds, nut seeds, that kind of stuff, uh, Greek yogurt. That is the habit that we are in now um, to always make sure that even if things get absolutely mental, we still have food to eat. Around that then, I just allowed myself to be like, okay, cool, I'm going to have to buy a couple of meals out or, you know, for example, last <laughs> night went to the gym and then totally forgot that I booked in a call for Kajabi support and then neither of us had gotten food so we just ordered a takeaway but we just made sure that we got one that you know centered around kind of meat vegetables and, and carbohydrates and we just enjoyed it and it was fuel and it was food and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that in any way shape or form there's also nothing wrong great every now and again just to break down that narrative that we often have about that so yeah so I just made sure that I was eating my three meals a day because again I know that I am me and I can forget to eat meals. And we had fruit and nuts for your easy snacks. And I just made sure that I had lots of water. 
So I knew myself and I built in time to make sure that I was eating those things. I made sure that we had stuff in the fridge and also kudos to Craig, he's really um, good at doing this. We made stuff, we made sure we had stuff in the fridge to feed ourselves for at least three meals a day or maybe you're kind of subbing in one of those meals. So that was the nourish yourself. And then the tracking your cycle, that is just something that I do daily. So every day I'll kind of track in my journal, how I'm feeling, what cycle day I am, all this kind of stuff. And then I have a night routine from my phone, which I use Read Your Body, where I track my symptoms. Now, sometimes when things get busy, I'm not doing it every day. There's a whole other side to fertility where instead of using it for a contraceptive point of view, you also need to be tracking in depth. But if you're just doing it for a health point of view and a health record, just having a general idea of where you are, it's a really good self-care practice. So for me, I am in a phase of my cycle where I'm outside my fertile window. So it was kind of more just tracking how I'm feeling um, over that, that period and checking in. Didn't do it every day. Did it most days because I knew it was important for me and it's part of my practice. If you actually take a step back and look at those things, again, for some of you might be listening to that and you're like, whoa, that sounds like a lot. But for me, those habits have been in place for years. Um, so they actually take a lot, not that much, I was going to say a lot less. They don't take that much mental effort for me and my husband to do. It's part of our routine now. It's part of our, I guess, lifestyle. And if I get anything extra, it's a bonus. So I might, if I'm feeling good and I feel like I have the energy at the end of the week, go in on a Saturday and get an extra strength session in where I might do like a Metcon, which is a hit. If I'm feeling like I have the energy and I want to, to be social. If I'm right, I might go to a yoga class. If I get an extra, and I actually did manage to get an extra morning, which was slow and a bit of kind of stretching on the mat. One of the mornings, brilliant. That's all a bonus. But I'm trying as best as I can without being, you know, super strict or kind of all or nothing about it. To hit those non-negotiables, those big rocks for me that are in my good enough scenario. Because I know that they are going to be the things that make sure I'm not completely burnt out and existing on an empty tank by the end of the week. Does that mean that maybe all of my work that I planned this week doesn't get done? Yes. But you know, again, work tends to, if you're in life coaching, there's obviously kind of work and financial uh, goals, but obviously I'm coming from a health and wellbeing point of view. So work comes into it, it tends to fall under with my clients, more like stress management and kind of boundary setting in that soothe your, soothe your soul sort of section. So for me, I just set myself a boundary where I was like, right, what are the things that I need to get done? Anything that's less urgent and less important, can it wait to next week? Yes. Okay. Move it to next week. And then we just focus on everything else. So these are just tools that I've learned, that I've practiced, that I've built in in a way that allows me flexibility, that allows me compassion. Because I know that if I sit, set really strict rules for myself, I'm not going to stick to it. I'm going to feel massively overwhelmed. I'm going to totally fall off the bandwagon. My inner teenager, sorry parents, is going to completely rebel because that's what teenage me did. Um, and yeah, she's going to be like, no, sorry, that's way too strict. Too many shoulds there. I'm just going to go do everything you told me not to do. So I need to make sure I'm managing her a little bit and meeting her halfway. So that's the approach that I take. And I do find that for a lot of us and for a lot of my clients, actually all of my clients, I don't think I've ever gotten a bad review. Um, it really, really transforms their lives. 
because it's doable, it's sustainable, and it actually makes a difference to your health and well-being. I'm not sure if there's anyone else out here who works in the health and well-being space listening to this podcast at the moment, but if you are, I don't know about you, but for me, it upsets me how focused and how focused on non-health practices under the guise of health and how commonplace that is. So I twisted the word health, wellness, well-being has become, I think, diet culture. I think unintentionally and maybe intentionally, but I'm going to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, unintentionally disordered eating is just snuck in there for so many well-being programs and, and ways of coaching. The language that a lot of coaches use, that a lot of clients use, and that a lot of the media use, it's a very challenging landscape to navigate, both as a coach and as a client and as just a human, particularly a, a woman in this world. I'm not saying I'm perfect, you know, but I'm trying my best. And I think that if we all just try our best a little bit more and create safer spaces for people to learn about how to actually support their health and well-being, we can have a world where there isn't so much strain on the health system because people are actually learning what health means, not what the current ideal, physical ideal of what health means, quote unquote, massive use of air quotes here, that we can actually learn how to manage our stress, sleep better, nourish our bodies, understand what the fundamentals of nutrition are in a way that allows us flexibility to still enjoy fun foods, learn the multitude of different ways that we can move our body and to feel good and build that into our day. All of this is knowledge that we should all know, but we don't, which is why I made this podcast. <laughs> because I wanted to create a way, obviously I just love chatting, as you probably guessed, but I just want to create create a way that this information is more accessible to people. And yeah, that's my vibe. So there are the four pillars of women's wellbeing, the approach that I take in my coaching practice, the approach that I take with one-to-one clients, and that I also take in my group and self-led programs, and that I also take in my own life. So I really hope you enjoyed this. I hope it resonated. You know, as always, my intention is never to trigger anyone with this conversation. So I'm purely just talking about my own experience, both as a coach and as an individual who's kind of, you know, been through this myself on a personal level. But yeah, if it resonated, let me know. And, you know, drop me a message, get in touch via Instagram, share on the podcast. And yeah, I really look forward to chatting to you next episode. That's going to be so much fun. So thanks everyone. Episode three over and out. And I hope you all have a glorious day. Do you struggle with feeling overwhelmed and off track with your well-being? Are you looking for a way to find balance, feel nourished and flourish this summer? Well, I've got you covered. Launching July 2023, my new online summer wellness program, Flourish, will have you flourishing in no time. This eight-week self-led program will be your ultimate summer wellness companion designed specifically for busy mums and bougie babes like you. I know how challenging it can be to juggle all the demands of life while also trying to prioritise your own health and happiness. That's why I've created Flourish, to provide you with the perfect blend of structure, flexibility and easy to implement self-care strategies. Over the course of the eight weeks, I'll introduce you to some of the foundational habits that make up my four pillars of women's wellbeing. Each week, you'll receive actionable habits, easy to follow movement videos and engaging in educational content to help you make positive changes in your life. So what are you waiting for? 
Let's flourish this summer.